Hey now, it's Brace for Impact, and I'm your host, Mike Gilbert, and I'm joined as always by JD by Gotta Leave It. How you doing, JD? I'm fine. How are you? Doing good, man. Doing good. I uh, had uh, had kind of a cool week here. Lots of stuff going on in uh, where I'm at. Um, but uh, had a lot of fun this week. Uh, watched some pretty good wrestling. Not not much tonight, but I've watched <laughs> since uh, last weekend. I've watched some pretty good wrestling. Uh, so I would say mostly all is well in the professional wrestling world. That's good. I'm uh, I'm off work tomorrow. I'm pretty happy about that. But I got a freelance gig. I'm shooting the. Um, junior high state tournament because wrestling never ends amateur yep. wrestling that is and uh <laughs> so yeah that's what i got going on pretty excited i get to sleep in a little bit tomorrow thrilled yeah man yeah man well there's you know there's a lot impact actually has some news so i want to just go ahead and get right to the top of the impact let's news, go uh, as we get started nothing really breaking because the story broke uh like pretty much shortly after we went off the air last week but we'll go ahead and talk about it so uh taya valkyrie um of the death dolls uh, she basically, she finished up at the, uh, at the impact tapings in Las Vegas, man. She's been around for about a year. You know, she was around for a couple years and then she was, she was the champion for a really long time. I think she had like a 10 to 12 month title reign. She lost her belt to Tessa Blanchard and then she hung out for a little bit. She ended up going to WWE where that just didn't work out as the Frankie Monet character. They changed her name for God knows why. Um, they do. Yeah, that's just what they do. Um, and then um, she came back, and she's had a decent little run. They they gave her the title match against uh, Deanna Perrazzo at uh, Rebellion last year, um, but has mostly just been in a tag team with the Death Dolls ever since then, doing skits and tag team matches. So, yeah, it looks like she's on her way out, man. So you could have had that and said Death Dolls done, mm. right? Or dead end death dolls. So you could have done that instead of tie finish the impact. You know, yeah. we're new with we're new with this, so I'm gonna cut you some slack. Uh well, and to I, be fair, Taya's done. That doesn't mean that Jessica Havoc and Rosemary are done. They could still continue the Death Dolls tag. Yeah, team. It's, it won't be as fun without Taya. No. <laughs> no. Taya's the glue that kind of holds it together. Um so she's moving on from the she went to this remember last time she left for the uh Stanford Supermax. Yes, yes. That's so, she shot Johnny Bravo. <laughs> I'm going to assume that she's headed for Jacksonville State Penitentiary this time around. Uh, you know what? I would I would say Orlando Penitentiary. Um, and what I mean by Orlando, they tape Ring of Honor there. That would be my uh, guess. I, um, I think that she could actually make more of a difference in Ring of Honor than she could at uh, AEW. I agree with you, but there is no difference yeah. right now. Let's be real. No. And I don't know if you watched Dynamite this week, but Jade Cargill challenged the best Canada had to offer. Kaya uh, is yeah. Canadian. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Canadian that fans actually... sure love Canadian wrestlers. Yeah, you know, that that actually really makes sense. I mean, she is technically Canadian. Like, I don't know if they could test her blood and it shows Canadian, but she was definitely born and raised there. But let's be honest, like she's made her name in the States and in Mexico. I I, I keep forgetting she's Canadian. I so was she ever Chris like Jericho. <laughs> I know, but but at least Chris Jericho like worked the Canadian Indies for a long time. I think Taya it's true. almost started her career in the States, right? I, I know would she think did so. she, she trained with Lance. I know she trained with Lance um at his school, I'm pretty sure. I mean that's a Canadian pedigree in and of itself, right? You yeah. train with Lance Storm, so yeah. I'm going to assume that they're going to bring her in. I mean, it's possible. It's possible she beats Jade Cargo. 
right? Because that story yeah. is at a dead freaking end, and no one cares anymore. No, well, it just went on too long, and they <laughs> they didn't. Long? So with Cargill, they never really added any new layers to the her character. I think they were trying to do something with that idiot Bow Wow, but that fell through. That fell and through. Now, and now she's just got you know she's got the baddies, and you know that, and she beats people up, and that's about it. And the baddies she are gone. Doesn't even have the baddies anymore. She just has Layla yeah. Gray. I mean, just like. She's a limited character. There's still like they've kind of probably pushed her too hard too soon. And like, mm -hmm. I mean, unless you're ready to beat her and quite frankly, she's not really ready to sell. So, I mean, like, what do you do? Like, I, I mean, like, I yeah. get why they did what they did, but now you're in a, now you're in a pickle. Now, what do you do? Yeah. I say give it to Ty. It's something different. Yeah. You know, but you said, you said Jade Cargill isn't ready to sell yet. I mean, she's been wrestling for a couple of years now. But yeah, she's what still she, bad at though. Yeah, I know, like, but and it and and whose fault is that? It's it's hers because you know what? She's not out there taking indie dates trying to get better. Man, I've she said works this once a, a week. Times. I've said this once a week if you're lucky. When's the last time she had yeah. a match? She's lucky if she has a match a month. I've said this before. The flaw in AW system. This is why I get mad at people online because I've I've come to learn, Mike, that I just hate wrestling Twitter because <laughs> everyone's dumb. I hate all of the people. I hate everybody. I hate my friends. Like I hate <laughs> <laughs> like this is where we're at no like i mean these people going like oh AEW can't have house shows they'll get hurt that'll be terrible uh, and i'm like everyone sucks like everyone hit not everyone sucks that's an overstatement on my part yeah. like there's there's people that have hit a certain plateau people like jungle boy have gotten a lot better because he works all the time right mm -hmm. on the show and then there's people that haven't gotten better Right. And how do you get better? Like Sky Blue, I mean, like, I don't think she's great either, but she works every godforsaken indie in the world. Right. Yeah. She's working hard, trying to get better. I can't say that for lots of talent there. I can't. Mm -hmm. Like, so a lot of them sign contracts and, like, don't show up anywhere else. Like, Mike Bennett is everywhere. Mike, if you have an indie show and, like, you're willing to book Mike Bennett, he will fly there and he will do whatever. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. That dude is a hustler and a grinder. Nothing but respect. I can't say that for everybody on that show. Right. There's a lot of lazy people in that locker room. And I'm not saying Jade's lazy, but I'm saying she hasn't taken bookings anywhere else and hasn't gotten better. Yeah. Yeah. She, she hasn't gotten better. And I don't want to go like name names and, you know, trash the AEW roster, you know, especially because we got an impact roster that was struggling a bit tonight. Oh boy. Um, did we ever, Yeah, we, we, we have, we have, uh, we got to clean up our own side of the street over here. Um, but real quick, uh, you know, Justin's popped in the green room. Uh, oh, fuck it. We'll just, we'll Let's bring him it. on in a minute. I just want to do some, uh, quick, quick hits since we already started talking the news. So Justin, just hang out. Um, just some quick announcements. Eddie Edwards has re-signed with Impact. No terms, no, no, uh, no news on how long that deal is. But uh, look, Eddie, Eddie's a lifer here. He's not going to mm. go anywhere. Every time his contract is up, I just assume they're just going to renew it. He seems to be pretty happy and content. The guy is having fun. He's eating carbs. You can tell that he wrestles with a T-shirt on. He's got no ambition outside of Impact. But he, to his credit is still out there hustling the indie scene. He's out there. Yes, he's him he and Davey Richards are still, uh, and more on Davey Richards later, but he's, he's still out there. Him and Richards are a tag team again. So he's still out there grinding, but he's, he's just happy with impact, man. He's earned it though. Like that guy, yeah. that guy did the indie scene hard for years. <clears throat> Excuse me for years, right? Honing his craft, becoming a tag team. That was quite frankly, probably too ahead of its time. Right. And yeah. like, 
now he's older. He's probably what mid 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 to late thirties at this point, right? Uh, he's close to forty. He's got to be a okay. Yeah, so that's fine. He's found a spot that he's comfortable in. They love him. He's great on the show. He's one of the few consistent performers who's good always, no matter what they give him. Eddie Edwards does great. Good for him. I'm happy they signed him. Makes my television watching better every week that that Eddie Edwards is on the show in some fashion. Yeah, and people say he's like the heart and soul of, of Impact, and that kind of you know that's the name they gave to him because Tommy Dreamer was, you know, they were trying to turn him into the new Tommy Dreamer. I wasn't a fan but, of that. I wasn't a fan of that. Yeah, but, <laughs> yeah, but he, I, there is something to that. Like he is the constant, yes. right? He is the like he was from the TNA days. He's been there ever since. He was the world champion, the X division champion. He's been a multiple time tag team champion. Um, he does hardcore matches. He does technical wrestling matches. He does like uh, awesome, awesome main event level matches. He can also be on your opening match. The guy can do it all for this company. And he also does kind of like mini movies where he's fighting PCO in the desert. He could do that shit too. So he's kind of like a, uh, an all purpose tool for, for impact. Um, and he's not like if you put him on something, he's never really going to let you down. Like he's a consistently really good performer. You know, he reminds me of this is going to sound weird, but I'm going to let me sell my case on this. Tito Santana. Okay. Tito Santana yeah, so, did everything in that company. Yes. Like from like 83 to 93 for a good decade, Tito Santana, whether he, and there were times he was the main event when he was the intercontinental champion, him and Randy Savage sold out arenas right when mm-hmm. they were running WWB shows and that's back when they were running C and C plus shows right that dude was not only that but he was also booking the shows in 86 right and then he would also go on tag team Rick Martel and then he would have like a low run later on as the El Matador where he was basically uh you know lower mid card guy to prelim guy right he did everything in that company now granted Eddie Edwards done on a bigger stage and impact but it's also impact and he wasn't you know vying for position against Hulk Hogan. So, (laughs) but that's what I mean by like a guy who has just done everything in the company, but it's pretty loyal and sticking around. So I'm happy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And then just two more things before we bring on Justin, Um, just signed for the multiverse United show with new Japan as a six way scramble for the X division title. We got uh, Trey Miguel, Rich Swan, Frankie Kazarian, uh, Clark Connors, um, Kevin, yeah, Kevin Knight and uh, Rocky Romero. They're they're gonna vie for the X Division title, and this one threw me off guard. Um, and we'll we'll bring we'll bring Justin in for this one. This one threw me off guard, man. But uh, it's uh, Kenta versus Minoru Suzuki, and um, as you can imagine, why that would throw me off guard is because that is not an Impact versus New Japan match on an Impact versus New Japan show. What the hell is up with that? I don't know. Ask New Japan. Yeah, All these, I feel like I'm watching New Japan strong with better production. Yeah, uh, sometimes. sometimes. Well, I th- there was a tag match. It was, I mean, this, it was a great match. It was like Motor City Machine Guns and Chris Bay and um, Ace Austin. Ace Austin. I mean, they're all great, but to me, they're they're the New Japan guys. You're not wrong. Although and this more- is what happened. I mean, it's not the same exact scenario but it reminds me of when roh would just book all the new japan guys and everybody would be tuning in to new japan or to roh but it was kind of for new japan you know what i mean to be fair the motor city machine guns were born bred and have had their greatest success that's different yeah. they, they are, are impact an, guys. they are an impact team right although they do have some roh pedigree themselves like so they were a uh, new they were a a team from here in impact that was 
brought into strong because you know they fit in perfectly and can work with anybody and they're great but the yeah. thing is is like they they have the new japan titles <laughs> that that they makes it feel like a new japan <laughs> i mean even the two guys i mean those two are probably the two prime candidates for when you think impact tna i mean those guys mm. were oh not always they still are like top dudes yeah, they rule. And and you want to associate with them with the company, but if New Japan insists, I don't know. Well, hey. I I would I would say because Chris Sabin is an employee of of Impact, um, I think Motor City Machine Guns going to New Japan is more of kind of like an Impact sending their people to New Japan versus the the former. Right, they, see, they're I going see. there to. They they are absolutely now. Alex Shelley is just a freelance guy who just happens to be close friends with Saban. But Chris Saban himself is not only a contracted talent here; he's also an employee here. He's a road agent. He's a producer. He's all those things for. He's for office. Impact. He's 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 office. So that that is just them, you know, trying to to bridge the gap with with New Japan and, and intermingle. Is it a little bit too much? I mean, it hasn't really done anything for ratings. Uh, does it do anything for ticket sales? Not really, because you're not really bringing in the top New Japan guys. You know, um, if they brought in the big the big guns, maybe that would do something. But it 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 really doesn't. So it's just kind of like, you know, Impact doesn't have a whole lot of talent. New Japan Jay, Strong, New Japan so Strong didn't have a whole lot of talent. You know, so Jay White just last year. Each other yeah, that is true. They did. Yeah, they they did. But hey, hey, Justin. So the reason why I brought you on, man, and uh, we're gonna go ahead and and, uh, and and knock this out. So um, a couple of weeks ago, Noah had their uh, KG Muto retirement show, and uh, you've been working for Noah as kind of like an American ba- ambassador. You could tell us kind of what your what your job is over there, and then you show up to Tokyo, and next thing you know. You're all slick looking in a fucking suit <laughs> at the Tokyo Dome doing commentary on one of the biggest shows in Japanese history. So before you tell us a story, just I'm setting the table. Tell us, hey, how'd you get started with Noah? What's your gig there? And then how the hell did this Tokyo Dome thing happen? I started with Noah last summer. Uh, they were looking for international uh, people, including wrestlers and, and other, I don't know talent or whatever they called it. They were asking for bounty hunters and I wrote a business plan for them. And uh, after a few weeks, they got in touch with me and I started working for the office from there. And it was around like an N1 time. And for Tokyo Dome, I was going to the show to help out and do kind of what I do. I, I guess the title is overseas or international PR, but it's just kind of like international stuff uh, i'm handling that when it comes to not just shows but campaigns and lots of different sorts of international projects from television streaming stuff all kinds of good stuff that will be coming up now that we're in the post muto world uh, after this show but for this show uh yeah I, I was planning to just kind of do what i usually do it seemed like a lot of wrangling you know, backstage stuff. But um, when I landed, they said, would you like to join the Japanese commentary team? And that that's a Japanese way of, when you work for a Japanese business, could you do something actually means you have to do this. Yeah. <laughs> so that, and you know, I, I don't really have a choice, but it's not like the worst thing in the world. I had fun. It was cool. Yeah. Yeah. 
I know this was a bucket list thing that you've been wanting to do for a while now, trying to do some American commentary on Japanese wrestling, because we used to flirt with that idea back in the original Japanese wrestling podcast on the Fight Game Media Network. High tension. May it rest (laughs) in peace. So I know this is uh, something you've been itching to do for a little while. Did it live up to your expectations? I didn't really have like too many expectations. I mean, I would, you know, when we were talking about it, it was just, you know, to add to these freaking all Japan cards that didn't have anything. Yes, basically. You know, like a lot of the cards, uh, especially if it's not a bigger show, there's no, there's nothing on it. There's not even Japanese commentary. So, I mean, that's a big jump from that to. Muto final, to, to the largest, to the largest Japanese wrestling show of the year. Yeah, and <laughs> past decade, I don't know, man. I, I I still can't get over. It's really hard to like. It doesn't feel like I did it. How'd you just, feel yeah. doing the show? How did it feel no. going out there and like what was going through your mind when the show started and then like when it wrapped up? Like how did you uh, how did you assess yourself in your performance? I I couldn't. I I had to watch back. I just watched it back recently, but um. I didn't really actually think much. It was weird. It wasn't. It was more excitement, but it wasn't nerves. Uh, it was just like nothing. It was like a job. It really felt like all right. Let's let's go. And, well, and mm. and the two guys you were with, uh, what's uh, Stuart? Stuart Stu what's Fulton, Stu Fulton, and, and Mark Pickering. Pickering. They're they're like seasoned pros, and they do more than just pro wrestling. They do a lot of combat sports. I know they don't. They do rise uh, MMA out there. Yep, um, Stu is do some kickboxing too. Stu does a lot. He's really involved in the commercial martial arts scene out in Japan. He has been for maybe like twenty years or so. Yeah, he does rise. Uh, he he does kind of what I do for Pancrase, the current Pancrase. Um, he was just doing something that. It looked really cool, and I think it's on Fight TV now. It's called Unrivaled. It's a new a jiu-jitsu sort of uh, grappling tournament, and there's a different rule set where guard pulling is negative points. You're not allowed to do oh. it, right? Hell yeah. Oh, it's, I, right. I really want to check it out. And they had like a like yeah, U.S. versus <laughs> Japan kind of thing, but he does commentary. Oh, yeah, he does commentary on Quintet. Too. Have you seen Quintet? It's on yeah, the that's UFC the Barnett Fight Sakuraba thing, right? Yep. Oh, yeah, okay. he did a lot of the, uh, the more recent commentary. I don't think they've done a show in a little while, but he does those too. So yeah, he his voice is on a lot of the Japanese combat sports stuff, not just Noah. He's more of a combat sports guy as well as a uh, Mark Pickering is a judo guy, and mm-hmm. he also I, I don't know how uh, involved he is with like uh, soccer, football, uh, rugby. That's a really big scene over in Tokyo, too, and I know he at least is a big fan. I don't know how deeply he is connected with those scenes, but he's also on that MO as well. That's what's cool about Stuart Marks, about their commentary, is it is far and away the most Mm sports-based commentary in professional wrestling. Like They treat it... You hear this phrase like, oh, we treat wrestling like a sport. Most people do not. They treat it like pro wrestling. These two treat it like you're watching a combat sport, like you're watching, you know, uh, a re- like a, an amateur wrestling match or like some MMA. So that's why I've, I've always really liked their commentary. I think they have good chemistry and it's unique. The show, a Noah show feels different than watching Kevin Kelly on a new Japan show. Right. And that's what I think is what's cool about Noah as a company is that it doesn't feel like new Japan, right? It ha- it's carved its own niche out. It's different product. Mm-hmm. I was trying to like one of my goals in this PR position is to like what New Japan does well is they take what the Japanese 
product is and they do a great interpretation for it and they and they are really good at presenting the international new japan product to like the real new uh, international audience like they care more about uh more history stats and it's generally more deeper and i like we like nerdier stuff than the main new japan crowd and japanese it's more general if you listen to the commentary whereas in noah's situation i really want to take what the japanese abema broadcast is doing and i want to present an authentic version of it just in English, not as much of a, like my interpretation of it. it mm-hmm. Japan's or Japanese is a, a language that's really like flexible and fluid. And there are a lot of situations where there's just no direct translation because the word doesn't really exist in either language or one language or the other. So when, from the editor's point of view, it's like, are we going to, like you have to interpret somebody's kind of what what they insinuated or implied without saying it. Like you have to get their vibe too, which is really some people are easier to grab than others. Like some Hiromu Takahashi, who I did some video work for because he had a match on uh, with uh, Amaksa on the Tokyo Dome card, and he's somebody who talks in a way. He's just he has his own way of talking, so it's like it's even harder because. He he's speaking Japanese, but he's not speaking like how anybody else talks. He has his own thing, and a lot of wrestlers have that too. They they develop their own speaking style, and that factors into the translation too. It's like more I, akin to like adaptation than translation, yeah. right? Yeah, it, transliteration. I've heard it. Transliteration. Called. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, because like it's. That. And then you got like Naito speaking Spanish too, and he's <laughs> like, "How do you like?" This is half translated. I know he said something like, "That's occupado." I'm like, <laughs> I, it's "Like that's how he talks. He just has a, he does a Japanese Spanish cowboy thing. It's cool. It's just I don't know how to trade. Like sometimes you it's have like- to really." It's like Spanglish, but with Japanese and Spanish. It's Japan. totally hit. English? <laughs> it, it's hit. Or, or Ghetto always speaking English and Spanish. Like they were speaking mm. Spanish. Him and Nosawa were speaking Spanish to each other in the match at the Dome. It's, uh, so <laughs> all those things factor into those translations and like so try, trying to trying to like find the identity for Noah too, since every like business and management sort of issues they've settled down since the pandemic and mm-hmm. like it i think the past two months three months have been uh, like we have a lot of momentum right now it's pretty it's yeah. amazing it's so, like i've never seen it for noah like this ever what is noah in the post muto era because the last three years muto has been kind of the cornerstone of the promotion whether he had the ghc mm-hmm. or not the company's been all about keiji muto now that he is gone or as gone as any old wrestler ever is. Um, what is what is Noah now? That's a good question because not there's no like clear answer yet. Uh, I know things are planned, but those are the you know if I don't need to know about them, I'm not going to know about them right now. But right. So uh, I'm assuming that there you know there are plans for person people uh, working relationships. I can tell you that. I feel that in the general sense, in Japan, the idea of the 
post-Muto world is really uh, let's work together and get over this, uh, all companies on board. Like, I feel like New Japan and NOAA will be hanging out a lot more. And, and not in a – if I hear forbidden door – one more time <laughs> like it's never been a forbidden door it's been it's open just knock you know it's yeah it's not treated like that it's not treated like you know it's if there's a deal in play it's like okay that that's another topic i can keep go on about but the, the idea with noah is like it's not there's no like exclusive working relationships it's not like the 90s where there's like huge tv deals involved and mega mega contract it's just like if something is going to work, Noah's pretty open to a lot of ideas. So that and the history between Noah's management and uh, New Japan's management, the people I work for, they were a part of the Bushiroad team 2012 when Bushiroad first took over, like Rainmaker Shock and uh, like Tanahashi Suzuki Matt. Like though that is the people; those are the people I'm working with. And there's a back door between you know they're all they're all cool. It's not weird. Mm-hmm. It's just a different company now. Uh, and th- those people were hired to recharge Noah when uh, Cyber Agent bought the company and started a cyber fight. So, uh, I mean, it, also, Abema, which produces Noah's TV, is 15% owned by TV Asahi. So there's, which owns New Japan, or not owns, but there's a, part ownership in it they have stake in it so it's like working together will be a big part of going forward because i there really isn't a way to recreate a star like muto because he's coming from an era that's just the bubble period is over and that's what the show felt like the show felt like that 90s period it really Mm -hmm. is done and it's done for muto chono misawa hashimoto it it was the send-off it was the send-off everybody wanted, but they couldn't get because tragedy, injuries, and all that business. But it really felt like closed, like a closed book, and now what's next? And what's next is just trying to build, rebuild the scene, knowing that it's not going to be the same. That gives you opportunity to create something new, right? Mm-hmm. There's And there's more, but it's not just with New Japan. I mean, last night at the show... Uh, Yuma Aoyagi showed up with Naoya Nomura. There's there's going to be more All Japan mm-hmm. and um, Kensuke Office guys of business. That's that is happening. That is, I think we're going to see a lot more of that between a nice group of guys, not just from Noah, but I know like some Noah guys are going to show up on the All Japan shows, like uh, Inomura and Aoyagi and Nomura are going to face Keno and Manabu Soya. March 19th, I believe, at the All Japan show. So there's a lot of flip flopping, and yeah, there's cool stuff coming up. Yeah, and we're and we're seeing we're seeing what's going on in Japan. That's kind of like also is mirroring what's happening here in the states. With you know, you got you got New Japan guys showing up on AEW and Impact. You got mm. Impact guys showing up on New Japan, and then you got now Ring of Honor's involved. And then we just had Timothy Thatcher show up on Ring of Honor. I think he worked the Ring of Honor show tonight. I think he wrestled Wheeler Yuta tonight, right? He did. And so we got all these like intermingling of uh, of of these promotions. And then you're seeing it over there where Noah just had their big show. They had Dragon Gate, all Japan, new Japan, 
Um, and then, of course, they own a couple of other promotions. They own D- DDT. They own TJPW. So there's a there's a lot of a lot of that stuff, and I, I think it's really really cool. The only company out there that's really on an island is WWE, um, and maybe we'll see them eventually try to bring somebody in and do some business. They just let. Um, they just let Nakamura work Noah, right? He worked the January first show, so that did happen. That's a funny Carl- story. I yeah, heard tell- the deal be- that, I, from what I heard, you know, sources are sources. But what I heard <laughs> is that Nakamura really wanted to do it, and he he sent yeah. in a formal request, like an email. But when you do the formal stuff, you realize that any like corporation sometimes those kind of emails are like who answers those? Usually, like part time workers, right? So, I don't know, office people that there was an email. It just sat there for like three months. And really? Wow. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, there's tons, there's tons of stuff. You'd be surprised that the reason like these things didn't happen is just because like somebody in the office didn't really know what was going on. So Nakamura was like, I haven't heard anything. I, I should check on it. Cause it's like a big deal to him. He really did want him, him and Naito were just huge massive fans i would compare this to like kevin owens and austin it's like that it's like that it's they're from that generation they love that like it would mean a lot to them so he he tried again and i believe this was in august and this was i I believe after like all the vince stuff passed a little bit and triple h was back and he asked to see what was going on with with that you know request he had made, but those guys weren't aware that he'd even made the request. So they checked into it, and apparently the point person for all this was Michael P.S. Hayes. He really got it done. Uh, also, I think it was he he really okayed it because he um, he used to travel back with Muto back in Houston. Oh, yeah. And, well, he, Gary he was, Hart, right? Yeah. Yep, that's right. Uh, he was a super black ninja, or I don't know if that was Puerto Rico, or he's still, I don't know if he became great Muta yet, but it, those are like some of um, Muto's earliest days, and they, they would they were the heels. They would ride together. So he, he knew him, and then I think when everything was ready to go on their side, this is, this is what I'm told, it was like from six days to the announcement. It was under a week. Wow. And it came out of nowhere so that's that's awesome that's awesome man that's so there you go great. that that's that's what <laughs> that's what i'm hearing that's what i'm hearing from somebody who had coffee with uh nakamura you know talking about that business it's the real deal so uh, yeah. I, I, if anybody can correct me if i'm missing any details yeah but I, that's michael hayes thank you yeah, that's a, that's a really cool story, man. But hey, before we let you go, because uh, I'm not going to make you sit through an impact recap. You guys, <laughs> I didn't watch it tonight. I you're, saw that there was a, like a. Did you guys watch move. BTI? Is no. BTI worth watching? Clearly, you don't listen to our show. <laughs> no, <laughs> you you listen to our show about as much as we watch BTI, apparently. Well, I just saw something tonight. It said Frankie Kazarian, Rich Swan. I'm like, oh, that sounds pretty cool. Okay, yeah. but yeah. sometimes they, you know, bait and switch. No, they they they, they want to match on BTI. Uh, well, and and thank you, folks. Thank you for talking BTI with us. Justin introduced it. I, um, <laughs> You're welcome. Hey, bef- yeah, before hey, before we let you go, JD and I have been advocating probably for a year since we really we really started you know talking a lot more Noah on this show um, because we got ninety minutes to fill and Impact doesn't always fill it, so we talk about whatever the hell we want. 
Um, you know, when I first started watching Impact, there was a relationship with Noah. Uh, Taiji Ishimori that. came over. He was the X Division champion. They were a Slammiversary. They were, I think uh, Marafuji then, was the first match on Access with Josh Alexander, I remember. Yes, yep. Marafuji versus Josh Alexander. He also wrestled uh, Michael Elgin at uh, Bound for Glory. Oh, sorry, I said the name. Don't say the name out loud. Sorry. The name that I'm not allowed to say out loud. I just said it. But say it three wrestled, times, it's going to show up. Yeah, wrestled what? that big, fat bucket head guy. The comedian? Um, yeah, the comedian, Aaron Froebel. Um, I mean, <laughs> people him. laugh. <laughs> yeah. It's not for the right uh, reason. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, wrestled him, uh, so there was a relationship there in the past. I know Scott Demore. Protein. Scott Demore is friendly with Kaito Kiyomiya and a lot of other the other Noah guys that have uh, come. Yeah, I think he trained Border them. City. He did they, through Border City Wrestling. So you know, I know Impact really covets this relationship with New Japan, but I I, I think that New Japan or that Impact and Noah. Like kind of them working together a little bit more would be more mutually beneficial, I would think, because a lot of the Noah stars don't really have a lot of uh, uh, American TV under their belt. Not that the not that Impact gets a lot of viewership, but you know. Well, how about this? How about done, this? So. If if they they can start with airing some of Muto Final on Axis, how about that? And then we, we'll start talking. If they yeah. want to do that, then uh, yeah, let's go. Well, sh- well, shit. Let's uh, let's call up our bosses at Imp. Just kidding. We don't work for Impact. They would hate us. Uh, <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> no. fans of the uh, show. After after my tweets tonight, burying the show. I don't think they want me to work it for them. But uh, well, we uh, all know, I, you know Meltzer works for AEW. You yeah. guys work for Impact. <laughs> yeah. We all know. Justin, yeah. before you go, we got our our audience is pretty loyal to Impact, obviously, and um, they've been getting a taste of New Japan the last few years. I don't think a lot of the people that we talk to really know pro wrestling Noah. So as a PR guy, if I don't, you know me, I've been big Noah fan for a while. Sell me on why I should watch Noah. Watch Noah for at least, there are a lot of reasons, but you can, you can just pick two guys. You can pick Kaito Kiyomiya and Kano. They're having, they're Mm. at the top of their careers right now. Both of them. uh, And it, and it weaves together and now separately, uh, Kiyomiya, for him being 26 years old, it's amazing to think he's from the same class as like uh, Hirai Kawato, the Master Wato. Like that's the same. You can see like the the difference in progress is amazing. Kiyomiya is something else right now. I, I think Kiyomiya is a great place to start with. Like if you don't have, never watched Noah, watch any of his matches from like uh, the July Muto match from there. Any of those singles matches are freaking great and they're all different mm-hmm. it's like tim thatcher keno muto fujita it's like a lot of a variety of different wrestlers and keno is just like who else is like him right now he he had maybe two of the best matches of his career in one month the naito match and the Kiyomiya match he never lost any of his momentum or he, even though he's been losing all of his matches, uh, I think he, that defies the the logic of, you know, if you lose, you're a loser. Um, he's been losing a lot and I think he's more popular than ever. Dude's having his YouTube channel so popular. They're having a live show for it in Sendai. Oh, wow. He's, yeah. Just, it's just him talking. Cause he's really funny. He's, he's, always in character he never <laughs> breaks um i think those are two really good reasons to watch noah and on wrestle universe watching on wrestle universe you can watch it on like it's an app too so everybody yeah. that i've talked to like the experience is really it's a lot easier 
than something like New Japan World if you're using Android and the, the Mac apps. Also, like, dude, the Muto final, the visuals, Abema production Insane. is. I who's I'm I'm biased. Nobody. But who's better? Nobody. Really? There's nobody no. better. Even WWE. I'll put Abema's production values against anyone in professional mm-hmm. sports right now. MMA There's is this like Raijin and, and like K, uh, KSW. KSW. Yeah, it's like that. That's that's where they're at. Or like yeah. I don't know NFL. I, so, I even, yeah. you know what I mean. It's if, it's really high level. Noah Noah is really good for American wrestling fans and Newton Japanese wrestling fans. But I think like if you're an American wrestling fan and you like the spectacle of pro wrestling, you're getting that in pro wrestling Noah. And at the same time, you're getting badass matches that are more hard hitting than anywhere you're going to see in, in in pro wrestling. Keno will kick your fucking head in. Nakajima will kick your head right off. Daniel Brian Danielson, really. Brian Danielson will talk about it, but then he's a really good pro wrestler. He's not really hurting anybody. But in 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 Noah, you're getting like actual contact. Like this stuff is insane. And then with the the production values that they have, you hear every kick, you feel it, you see it in depth. Like you don't ever see it. Like you don't see it anywhere else in, in the world. Last thing. Um, before I let you go, I, I know I keep saying that, but J, JD and I talked about um, a guy, you know, our favorite guys from Noah that would translate to the American audience and they would get over quickly. My two guys were Keno and Inamura. Uh, JD had a couple guys. In your opinion, outside of Keno and, and Inamura, who day one would get over on the American scene had they, if they come to American TV? Jake Lee, Masaki Tamiya. Oh, there you go. And and Masaki Tamiya might be coming to the states soon. Hopefully, so I hope so. Hopefully, it's all about the visa stuff, and uh, all like, things expire one year, and they got to get renewed. And uh, yeah, I, I think I, I hope we'll see more Noah characters in the states or overseas in general this year, especially with the pandemic up and everything. Yeah. Well, all right, Justin, man. Hey, thanks a lot for being here. Uh, Justin, Fight Game Media's Justin, who, Justin Nipper, sorry, who also works for Pro Wrestling Noah, man. It was awesome. Thanks, bro. Talk to you guys uh, probably later tonight. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Have fun talking uh, Impact. Let me know how that goes. See ya. Yes, sir. See ya. <laughs> Awesome, man. That was that was cool. Um, Garrett is gonna have fun editing the show because we gotta move. We gotta move Justin from good luck, the Garrett, the, <laughs> from the middle of the show and put him on the back end of the show. Or maybe we'll just let it ride. I don't know. Maybe we'll just let it ride. Um, That's why he's no the biggie. boss. That's yes. why he's the boss. All right, let's go to the uh, the BTI pre-show. Uh, Frankie Kazarian and Rich Swan defeated Rashing and Shira, just as Justin Nipper said, and that was talking BTI. Thank you, folks. Thank you for talking BTI with us. Cool. Now let's get to the main card. Uh, a recap air to the Exxon Bullet Club and Motor City Machine Guns main event from last week, which was very excellent. Uh, great, great, great match. Uh, and then uh, Bulky Ray came out for a promo. <laughs> say, say whatever we want about Bully Ray. The, the crowd was into it. Mike Gilbert was not into it, but the audience there in Las Vegas was into into his uh, into his. He's a good heel. He always has been. Mm-hmm. That's a good promo. Um, yeah, but he's talking about what he did to to Tommy Dreamer at No Surrender. He claimed we all saw social media after No Surrender with Tommy challenging Ray to a busted open match. Uh, Ray said the challenge was empty because the doctors told him he couldn't compete and there was no way this match was going to happen. That is not what the doctors told him. Last week, the doctor said he was going to be just fine. Um, Santilla, Santina Morella came out. Uh, is, and nobody is a really busted open match where, where three octogenarians bullshit and about a boring thing for 90 minutes? 
Uh, God, I hope not. I'm hoping it's a first blood match. Um, <laughs> could you imagine John Moxley in a first blood match? He would have no, no he'd lose. See, no, that's a problem. See, if someone was smart on that show, they would say, I'm going to challenge you to a first blood match. Cause I know if you walk to the ring, you're going to bleed immediately. That'd be great. I don't know why nobody has thought of that in AEW. Yeah, it's some right heel, some, there. Yeah. Some heel has to do it. Come on guys. Uh, yes. But yeah. Morella came out to basically no reaction, um, but then called uh, Bully Ray Bobby Ray, which pissed off Bully Ray. And then we got a Bobby Ray chant from the crowd, kind of like the Ass Boy stuff in, uh, in AEW. And then B- Bupinder Gujar came out and nobody fucking cared. Nope. Cut a, cut a promo in Hindi and then Santino made a match for right then and there. So, uh, and then Gujar ended up winning because uh, Bully Ray hit him with a low bro. So there you go, man. Um, <laughs> Not not a good start to say the least. Nope, nope. <laughs> I, you, uh, you said it, man. That's the show. Yeah, yeah. It it, it wasn't. Look, this this was. D- despite Bully being a pretty good heel, this was just not not good. Um, after the match, Ray went to beat down Gujar, but uh, Tommy Dreamer ran down to make the save, and as Dreamer was going for the Death Valley Driver, Masha Slamovich gave him the low blow to Dreamer. And then Mickey James ran down to attack Slamovich and then Dreamers. So Bully Ray actually wrapped a chain around Mickey's neck, which looked looked violent, by the way, and just pulled her up. And um, but um, Dreamer made the save and uh, chased uh, Bully Ray out. So it looks like we'll be getting a mixed tag match coming up. I hope Bully Ray is working with some of these impact guys in their promos because I think there is something to learn. The man is really good at channeling his rage internal or whatever, putting it on, mm-hmm. I'm not sure which it is. And like focusing it into his character and, and his motivations and stuff like that. Like he's really good. I mean, like I'm not a fan of his wrestling at this stage of his life. Man's in great shape. Not going to take that away from yep. him. Cannot say anything bad about his promo work. He's still nope. awesome at it. Probably he better. He's probably better now as a promo than he was in the nineties back when he would just like goad the crowd into being really <laughs> mad at him. Like yeah. now, I feel well, like he actually tells like stories with his promos. I really do feel like he's one of the better promo guys in the game right now. Well, well, back then, like he would just say the most awful shit to get the crowd riled up, and he now crawl. he has to be more creative, right? Yes, he would call the crowd f word, the f word, like the, yes. the three letter f word, not the four letter f word, <laughs> right. and like he would just like berate them and then just get them really, and it worked because it was the ECW yeah. crowds. So it was a bunch of freaking lunatics to begin with. And like, it worked, man. Those ECW crowds with the Dudley, that version of the Dudley boys could be spooky. Like, and it is, it's a different world now. And I do think he's a joke. Ju- I like a lot of guys from that particular era who just complain that it's not the same. Bully Ray has actually adjusted, moved on and evolved his character pretty consistently over the years. So yeah, I don't enjoy watching him wrestle, but I do like listening to him talk. I do. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, and I just wish he would switch the gear up a little bit. Like Gears that, a little like, played out, man. I'll give you that. Gears a little played well, out. They, they on Twitter, they they always do the flashback to when uh Bully and uh, Devon powerbomb Dixie through the table. And it was a great moment in Impact History. I get it. And he's wearing the same damn t- 5150 t-shirt that he kind of wears now mm-hmm. with basketball shorts. And I'm just like, come on, bro. Like I, if Bully has evolved his character, but he's not evolved his gear, you should really call up Chris Jericho. Like, hey, do you got any ideas on some gear changes? Because I, I need something different. Because he went from the tie-dye, right? And mm-hmm. then they got the WWE, and they went to the, the, camo, the camo, yeah, which is essentially a rip-off of New Jack. But they, they yeah. did that. And then 
and then they brought that same gear uh, to to TNA, and then when he went on his own, he became the Bully Ray guy, and he had just a hardcore fifty one fifty shirt and like a hockey jersey and, and basketball shorts. It's kind of like a public enemy almost. So I never thought about that before. That is kind of what his yeah, gear is very much I, like. Yeah, I just I'm just like look. If it reminds me of the dying days of TNA, that's not a good thing. So I'm like, like change it up a little bit, at least the 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 look of your mm-hmm. of your gear. But I agree with you. Yeah, uh, PCO was in the desert screaming about Eddie Edwards, and he said Eddie Edwards couldn't kill the monster, and he wanted to fight. Um, I like PCO. This was cheesy as hell, but I just like PCO, so I like this. Um, He's a perfect fit for this promotion. He's a perfect fit for this promotion. I've been saying it for a year now. You know, I just thought it would be great. PCO versus Yoshiki Inamura. That would be great. Yeah, that would be be freaking awesome. I would like to speak that into existence. Who would you put PCO against for the New Japan show, Multiverse United? I think that's going to be a curious thing. Like, who would fit... The PCO mold. See, there's not a lot of monsters in New Japan right now, right? Like, they don't have right. that guy. The only guy they have that's close to a monster is like five that's, foot four. And it's yeah, Ishii. <laughs> I feel like they put Ishii. That's almost like too easy. I feel like they put Ishii yeah. against everybody. And I feel like yeah. I need someone who's a little bit more like big and dynamic, but we don't have like, oh, Jeff Cobb. Well, Cobb's wrestling moose. But still would do that. That's who I would put. You said, who would you put? Yeah, I, would okay. put I would put <laughs> Jeff Cobb. Okay. Uh, you know, what? I'll, I'm going to say Togi Makabe. There you go. Blast Togi Makabe? He's going to die. Like I know, but he he wears a chain around and he does the whole Bruiser Brody thing. So he's got a yeah. little bit of crazy in him. He does, but his like he can't move. Like Togi Makabe no. 10 years ago, that would have been fun. Togi <laughs> Makabe now is like a shell of his former self. We're going to go there. You know it'd be fun, actually? Kojima. Okay. Yeah. No, that would be cool. I would yeah. like now that I because I was gonna say uh, Tenzon would have been fun back in the day. Tenzon can't move anymore, but Kojima still moves pretty good. So yes, yeah, Kojima, Kojima could still have a hell of a match. He was yes. recently the GHC champion. Yes, he was. Yeah, it's full circle, man. Full circle. Yeah. No, uh, Kojima versus PCO. That would rule. Everybody, go to uh, Daily Motion and look up Satoshi Kojima versus uh, Tenru from 2002 All Japan. Ooh. For a triple crown championship, uh, amazing match. Yes, sir. I just want I my my cousin has a Plex server and he has just like old like classic matches on there random, so I could just scroll through there. I'm like I've I've never seen that before, so I just clicked on clicked on that match and just popped right up and pff, damn, it was good. And that's uh, a cool part of being wrestling. I say oh, so that's a cool part of being wrestling, and there's just always going to be a match that you've never seen. Yeah, yeah. There's just too much to watch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's impossible so, to catch it all. Yeah. Uh, next we had Rhino. Uh, oh, sorry, I skipped over. Uh, Alexander was backstage. He asked Rich Swan to be his partner at Sacrifice against Time Machines, and then Steve Macklin walked up and offered to be a third. I immediately rolled my fucking eyes because I was like, "Are we really gonna do? Um, can they coexist?" But uh, Alexander was like, "No, that's a dumb idea because you want to beat my ass." And he goes, "And plus, we already have a third, and it's Frankie Kazarian." And Macklin looked slightly insulted. <laughs> but Macklin. No, it's like no homers club. Yes. Sorry. Yeah. M- Macklin's reasoning is because he wanted to do a scouting report. And Alexander was like, dude, I've been the champion for a year. You don't know who I am by now. That's enough scouting report. You don't need to be my partner for that. And I was like, you know what? You sons of bitches are making some sense. <laughs> like, like, I'm not used to this on impact. 
The show's dumb, but Josh is the smartest man in wrestling. <laughs> and then next we go to another uh, not good match, but I'm going to give them a pass and I'll tell you why. It's Rhino versus Sammy Callahan. So um, this was a makeup match because Callahan had just injured Yua, Yui Mora. Yeah, okay. um, and so they threw they threw Rhino into it. I don't think either one of these guys was in their right mind to wrestle. You and Mora ended up being okay. It just seemed like their heart wasn't really in this match. That's and I and maybe maybe because I knew that ahead of time, maybe that's why like I I could see that in them. Had I not known that going in, I probably wouldn't have noticed that. But um, yeah, I I just I kind of was like ah, uh, that sucks. But they did not have a really good match. I did not know that, and I thought, oh, this is bad. So Yeah. Uh, big Con hit Callahan with a chair. <laughs> More d- Step six of uh, the design uh, is over. Step seven's coming up soon. Who gives a shit? Sammy but, Callahan uh, is the dumbest fucker on this show. I feel like he's doing a long con. Get it, con? But what uh, is it and why? What is it and why? What, I'm going to the let point? these guys beat the shit out of me for three months <laughs> so I can finally get my revenge. That's my Sammy impression. Yeah. Um, it's a dumb. It's, if, this is, if this is Sammy's version of four-dimensional <laughs> chess, uh, he's got CTE. Yeah. This well, is a terrible plan. Everybody's like, well, at least it's a story. Well, just because it's a story doesn't mean it's a good story, guys. It's I'll not credit, a good story. I'll credit someone with – It's. I don't know if it's a good story, but I mean like – because you don't know how good a story is until you're finished with it. I'm not happy with Act One or Act Two. I'll tell no. you that right now. <laughs> I'm not a fan of the motivations. I mean, that's the problem with the story is the character motivations are unclear and kind of weak, right? Yeah. So there in itself makes for a bad story. Just because like they're telling a story doesn't mean it's go well. They're they're trying. Well, okay, they're professionals. Yeah. They have yeah. a television show. They should C- be congrats. trying. Congrats on doing the bare minimum, guys. I appreciate that's it. That's how I feel about yeah. the storyline. It doesn't. <laughs> it is not working. Yeah. Speaking of not working, Dango and Santino Morello were backstage, and Trey Miguel walked up complaining about not being booked on No Surrender. And Morello talked about an X Division match for no, for Sacrifice, featuring several. Uh, so he talked about the multiverse match, uh, and then Johnny Swinger was pushed into the shot by Zicky Dice on his little cart, um, and he had a and he had a measuring tape, attempting to find a tomato can. Uh, and he said, "You're a little bit bigger than Sky Low Low. What do you think?" And then uh, Miguel threatened, and uh, he. Threatened him and he backed down, which was pretty funny. Swinger then asked Dango to do the job for him. Dango said the only job he was there to do was the assistant dictator of authority. Um, mostly pretty bad. Highlights. Johnny Swinger. Of course, Johnny Swinger. And I thought Trey Miguel was pretty good in the segment, too. Trey, um, Trey's good at dumb shit. I'll say this. Yeah. When when it comes <laughs> to acting like an idiot, Trey Miguel is really good at it. I'm not insulting Trey, but he plays like um he plays goofy very, very well. Unlike Dango who is terrible. It's always been terrible, <laughs> continues to be terrible, always will be terrible. Not sure why he has a job in this company. Is not, in fact, better than QT Marshall. <laughs> I might have said that one to get under your skin a little bit. Yeah. Success, <laughs> sir. Success. Success. <laughs> uh, and then next we go to, uh, uh, I don't know, Jordan Grace. Sorry. I don't know why I, I read that as Gracchi, but it's Grace. I don't know why I read that as Gracchi. <laughs> like she's Italian. Well, Jordan well, Gracchi. Just Jordan, well, because it's Jordan Grace defeating Alex Gracia, but I was really? like conflating both of the names into Gracchi for some reason. Um, but it was a it was a quick squash. Dude, Jordan Grace looks tremendous. Yes. <laughs> she's like she's got that bodybuilding show coming shredded. up. I was like, Jesus, shredded, man. She's shredded. I've heard Alex Grassi is gonna be good for like a long time, and I've yet to see it. 
Wasn't she in AEW for a little bit? She was doing, she was doing the dark jobs and stuff like that. Okay. Like, yeah, she's been around for a while. But for a I while. Was... That's why I keep like those fight things. Oh, she's be around. She's getting better. And I'm like, is she? I've been seeing this for like two years now. She's getting better, and I don't see it ever. Who, who's who's keep saying that? Is you? Oh, said I read it on like Fightful. Someone was saying. Oh, that. Like, okay. One of those people. Okay. Yeah, maybe she's the source. Who knows? Yeah. Um, um, lots of Scorpio Sky stories coming out over there. Funny how that works out. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then Moose walked up to Joe Hendry telling a story, and he said uh, with joy um, and that Dancing Moose had arrived, and then the, the people that were surrounding Hendry started chanting Dancing Moose. So Moose naturally starts to beat the shit out of Joe Hendry because Myers had attacked him from behind. Uh, Moose and Myers uh, beat him down. I don't know where they're going with this, but I I thought this was entertaining. I like I like these guys. So. If a bunch of people were singing "Dancing Moose" to me, I would also beat the shit out of everybody in front of me. <laughs> so in this moment, Moose became the most relatable character in the history of professional wrestling, and I would yes kill all of these people. They're irritating. Yeah, uh, Bullet Club are backstage with their titles, including Kenta. They, they walked up to Josh Alexander, Swan, and Kazarian, who challenged them to a six man match for next week. Um, the gist of it is they they challenged them saying they for Kazarian basically challenged them saying that hey we got a big match coming up at Sacrifice and we need to get some practice and uh, the Bullet Club were highly insulted by that to which they should be insulted as they, sh- as they should be <laughs> you just called Kenta a job guy now he's going to kick it, your face in well not only that Kenta <clears throat> is the the uh, strong open weight champion and the the Bullet Club are the tag team champions of Impact. And uh, so Kazarian was kind of being a little bit of a dick, <laughs> but I, I I like the segment. It worked out. Um, I'm looking forward to the match. So it's not it's not unFrankie like to be a dick though. No. The vast majority's vast swaths of his career, Frankie's been a dickhead. So kind of yeah. fits. Uh, and then next we we got probably the well not probably it was the the best match of the night. It was a uh, Kushida defeating Jonathan Gresham. So, uh, JD, do you like 1970s wrestling? Like it, like from NWA? Not really, to be honest no. with you. Well, this okay. was two guys like exchanging yeah. uh, holds and grappling and submission maneuvers. Um, and, uh, but then they, it was a lot faster, obviously, cause they only had like 10 minutes to do a lot of the stuff. <clears> so <throat> a lot of like moves and counter moves and, and stuff like that. I, I really, I, I did dig it. The crowd, I don't think the crowd knew what to make of the match. Um, and then, like, Kushida just tapped him out with a hoverboard lock quick. Like, it just out of nowhere. And the reason why they did that is I understand the psychology immediately is because they're trying to get over the hoverboard lock because he's got the match against Josh coming up. And, in fact, at Battle in the Valley a couple weeks ago, uh, Kushida put on the hoverboard lock on the Josh and he held it after the bell was over. So they're trying to get over that. This is a super dangerous move that can make you tap out quick. And so uh, Gresham uh, tapped out pretty, pretty, he tapped out right away as soon as it was applied. But uh, I thought it was a pretty strong match. I didn't love it. Um, I do think it was, it was very Dory funk, right? Yeah. It was very Dory funk worked at like um, two thirds or like two and a third speed. Right. It was, it was like a faster moving version. Like you said, from the seventies. <clears throat> yeah. I don't know. Like, um, I didn't love it, but I mean, like, I do like what they're going with. I do. I think it's just probably a little too short and they're trying to get too much shit in and too, too tight a time period. You know, yeah, I felt like I they agree. were just trying to get too much in rather than just using the confines of the match. As soon as I feel like Gresham feels the need to do all these counters and stuff like that, because it's just what he does. 
right? And I feel like Kushida was working aggression match more than Kushida was just doing Kushida stuff because Kushida can do a lot. Like Kushida is pretty versatile with what he does. Yeah. Um, I do like the idea of getting over the hoverboard lock because legitimately it's a Kimura. Kimura, yeah. fuck your elbow up, man. That's a oh legit, my gosh. That's a legit <laughs> dangerous <laughs> yes. move. And he's really good at working because this a lot of Kimuras look just terrible. His look good. Like his look really mm-hmm. good. It looks like he can mess you up. So uh like CM Punk's Americana always look just like ass. Like that yeah. ain't hurting anybody. But like uh cause she just looks good. So I think the 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 focus of the match was work worked for me. Uh the work style wasn't wasn't my thing. I saw Frank Mir, um ju- American Jiu Jitsu guy mm-hmm. out of Vegas. He uh he fought man who, uh, Antonio- man who beat Brock Lesnar. Yes, he fe- he he uh, he fought Antonio Rodrigo Nogueira, one of the greatest BJJ guys in all of MMA history, mm-hmm. uh, and he got him in a Kimura and literally like rolled him over, flipped him over, and then got him in a position, and he broke his arm and his shoulder at the same time. Because Nogueira, one of the greatest jujitsu guys of all time, he's not tapping out to a white guy. Sorry, brother, you broke you broke your shit. One of the most vicious things I've ever seen in MMA. Uh, it was it was wild. If you don't watch, if you have no background in combat sports or don't know <laughs> MMA, you would take what Mike said to be like questionably offensive. But he is one hundred percent correct. <laughs> no, he 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 wasn't about to tap out. He to wasn't going to tap. There, no, no, not a chance. No, Brazilian no. guys not going to do that. They you will have to no. kill them. It's too much. It's Frank, too much pride. No, it's too much national pride. I mean, and that's that's not even like that's not no, even, it's like, you accurate. could be offensive. You could be offended if you want to, but that's just the accurate. way it was. No, one hundred percent accurate. That's what I'm saying. Like, if you don't know combat yeah. sports, you'd be like, "Ooh, yeah. I don't know about that. That sounds questionable." No, a Brazilian, especially back then when the Brazilians were selling the idea that mm-hmm. our jujitsu is in fact the best form of jujitsu. It is the most powerful martial art on the planet, and you're not going to beat me with what they because they because uh, forever the, the Kimura was double wrist lock. Right. And yeah. they rebranded it the Kimura. Mm-hmm. And uh so yeah, they weren't gonna tap out to one of their moves. Snap. <laughs> yeah. Snap. Snap. <laughs> and then that was over. Yeah. Frank Weird, dangerous dude. Yep. Uh Eddie Edwards was seen driving out to the desert. So there you go. Next we got Killer Kelly came down to the ring holding a mic. Uh Kelly called out Taylor Wilde. Whew. And that's where this whole show just fell off a cliff. <laughs> it was struggling was, before. Watch that entrance was great. Yeah, that's yeah. How I and got. then, uh, and then, which a woman came out and she's talked about some witchy stuff, and then she pulled out some tarot cards. I don't know what the hell was going on. It was bad. Taylor Wilde's one of the worst actors in wrestling, uh, but Kylan King came out and hit Kelly with a chair. So there you go. Now they're a tag team called the Coven. You know why I get mad about people bitching like oh, QT Marshall helped Hobbs win a title because I watch. Taylor Wilde every week on my TV. <laughs> and people say, well, this was just terrible. I'm like, you don't watch Taylor Wilde play with tarot cards during a match. Like, you don't know what terrible is yet, you brother. Don't know what Wait bad till is. you see this. Yeah, this is shit. <laughs> don't tell me what's bad wrestling when I have to watch Taylor Wilde. You can do nothing yeah. about it. And I want to like her. I want yeah. to like Taylor Wilde, but she makes it so hard. No. It's so bad. This, this is not. It's not good, man. No, it's really um, bad. It's really bad. <laughs> At least we have another tag team now because we're losing one, right? Yeah, we, we just lost have... one. We gained a new one. Yeah. So we do. We lose a tag team. We get their non-union equivalent <laughs> pump and just take up space. Uh, they, uh. They, they cut away to PCO hitting a rock with a shovel. So there you go. Uh, Killer Kelly is backstage. She's pretty upset. And then the Death Dolls teleported into the scene saying that witches can't be trusted. Well, I, I believe them there. Uh, Rosemary Kelly was an expert in killing people. 
but unaware of the dark realm. Rosemary called Taylor Wilde a charlatan and then said they would help her. Kelly politely refused. Um, uh, Wilde and King then show up and said they were going to continue to practice the dark arts. And Jessica got excited about magic tricks. <laughs> I'm sorry. Rosemary then said that they have put the knockout stack titles on the line. If Wild and King lose, they have to stop practicing magic. <laughs> what the fuck are we watching, man? What the fuck uh, is this shit? Like and then Val- uh, Valkyrie and uh, Valkyrie and Jessica saying witches get stitches. <laughs> that made me laugh. I legitimately <laughs> laughed out loud when they said that, and I was embarrassed and ashamed uh, to be a man when they said yeah. that. <laughs> I still laugh. You know. You know, Josiah, who wrote this recap uh, for the Wrestling Observer, he is like an educated guy, right? He's a pastor. I'm embarrassed for him for having to to write this. <laughs> like he's like a well-educated guy. He works in the church and he does wrestling as a side hustle. And then he has to type this stuff. <laughs> but anyway, uh, he said that he liked the witches get stitches part. Uh, the it's best, funny. But, it's a uh, good line. Yeah. the rest of this was some of the worst shit i've seen on this on a on a show that does some questionable shit from time to time (laughs) this is one of the worst things i've ever seen them do but reading reading the recap was pretty fun i gotta admit oh i admit yeah i got the notes too and i cracked up reading joe's eyes so kudos Uh, to you my canadian friend yeah pco and eddie edwards had a fight in the desert with cinematic music uh, PCO was basically like threw him into like a pit and it was about to bury him alive, but then he got hit with a car. Um, and so now we're going to do who ran him over. And uh, the first, that was the first name that obviously pops up is Rikishi. Cause he ran over Stone Cold Steve Austin. Um, I think they're going to try to make everybody believe that it's Davey Richards, but it's going to end up being Alicia Edwards. That's my, that's Mike's guess, but who knows? No, I think it's going to be Rikishi. I'm serious. <laughs> that's what we do. We bring back old garbage that WWE is done with. So we're going to bring Rikishi in as the guy who ran him over. Uh, I, I would actually pop more if it was Rikishi than Alicia Edwards. I got to tell you, but I, it would make I, as I'm, much hold, sense. I'm holding out hope that it's uh, Davey Richards, but who knows, man? Sure. Um, it doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> um, Deanna Praza joined commentary team for the main event, and I thought the main event was uh, was pretty good. Um, yeah. I, I I did dig the main event, just um, just couldn't save the show. Um, but uh, knockout champion Mickey James defeated Giselle Shaw. Um, there was some interference, but for mother, for the most part, it was a pretty good match. Um, Deanna Prazo ended up helping uh, Mickey because uh, Shaw and uh, Savannah Evans and Javadal had basically cheated. And Mickey was rolled up uh, for the Mickey got rolled up by Giselle Shaw. Prazo ran in and flipped him over. The referee was being distracted, and then we got the one, two, three. Um, but uh, that was the show. That was the main event. Looks like we're gonna get some more of Giselle Shaw and uh, Deanna Prazo at Sacrifice. Cool. I don't know who's gonna win that. Legitimately, I legitimately don't know who's gonna win that match. Uh, well, I mean, Giselle won the first one, so you know, and that's why she got the title shot tonight. So maybe Prazo gets the second one. Who knows? But I don't know. So uh, Josiah sent us a message, and he wanted me to read oh. this verbatim. And because Please. he does, uh, and because he does us a favor by sending us the recap before it even gets posted to the Observer, mm-hmm. I wanted to to do him this favor. He said, "Final thoughts." So this is like Jerry Springer. Final thoughts. This had to be one of the most missable episodes of Impact I've ever seen since I started recapping the show weekly. There was some Fair. really bad stuff on this one along with two good matches in Gresham and Kushida and Sean James. If you have to pick one thing to watch, make it Gresham and Kushida. Otherwise, skip the rest of the rest or settle for my recap. 
So he he wanted me to read that verbatim, and uh, I I I tend to agree. Um, honestly, like you don't have to watch a single minute of this show. <laughs> this man, this man's a pastor, and yeah. impact has pushed him to this breaking point. <laughs> this is a man whose life revolves around having faith. Yeah. And, and he's starting to lose it in impact. Yes, yes, he is. Keep your faith in the Lord. Do not put it in impact because they will always let you down. Every single <laughs> every time. Single, every single time. Man, they were on a good roll, man. Uh, but then this week, this week was not not good. Not last good week was all. good. Last week was yeah. good. Yeah, last week was really good. Next week looks pretty good, too. So um, looks like we got uh, Gresham and Bailey versus uh, Decay. Should be pretty be good. Fun. Steve Macklin, Steve Macklin and Heath, uh, Death Dolls in the Coven, but then Bullet Club uh, versus Josh Alexander, Rich Swan, and Frankie Kazarian. So that's what that's that's, that's what we got on tap for next week. But hey, if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or um, watching us on YouTube, head over to Patreon.com/slash/FightGameMedia. Um, we we kind of already spilled the beans on all the impact news. I just kind of started the show with that, trying something new. But uh, if you want to talk about the wrestling world news with Mike and JD, we got uh, we got lots of stuff to talk about. We got some Vince McMahon news. JD's got a little bit of inside knowledge on Vince McMahon's status within the company. Um, uh, WWE sale news, MLW's lawsuit against WWE, Brian Cage, uh, FTR, uh, Sari, and much, much more. So head over to patreon.com slash fight game media where Mike and JD talk about the wrestling world news.